0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Hey, we are uh, jumping into a series on the book of Acts, and uh, we kind of opened up the series last week and did a little bit of intro and kind of Just real basic introduction to the book of Acts. And then you had a chance to hear a bunch about what God's been doing in my life and kind of how things have been going on coming off a sabbatical. And if you missed it, it's online, so you can jump on our website and listen to the service from last week. And then also, just real quick, to help you guys be aware, for your friends and family, and especially if you've got family remote in different areas and you'd like them to kind of know what your church is about, we're also starting to broadcast Facebook Live right now we're, uh, we're launching it off of my personal Facebook page, okay? So if you're not friends with me on Facebook, we all learned last week that I'm not very technologically advanced, okay? So if you're not friends with me on Facebook, you figure out how to do that, okay? <laughs> and I'll click the button that says, okay, I can do that, right? Now, here's part of the heart behind that. As... Some of the other things that I'm involved in outside of real life and some of the other kind of friends and family network that I have serving people in our community and and doing this crazy bed thing that God's got me on, I am uh, having the opportunity to connect with a lot of people that don't have anything to do with Jesus or know who he is. And so rather than doing a live broadcast of the service on our church page, if I do it on my page, people that are excited about the things that me and my friends are doing in the community might get a jump in and see a church service that they wouldn't have otherwise seen. Okay, So that's why it's there. Does that make sense? It's always available on our website. The version that's on our website is polished fancy and the slides are in it and it's awesome. The version that's on Facebook Live is whatever shows up on my phone. That's how high tech we are, right? You guys got it? Just kind of real, right? That's who who we are. So just to help you guys know that that's available and then you can always go to my page and share that with your friends. If you're like, oh, that was a great sermon, my cousin would love that. Send it to him. all right? So real quick recap. Uh, In Acts, we are looking at a book that is a historical narrative style book. It's telling about a period of time where uh, uh, people and places and things happened. The author Luke is writing and recording all of these different things that happened. It's important, too, that we remember it's not like a sequential, chronological, perfect timeline. It's not like this day happened, and then the next day this thing happened. We're not looking at like over three weeks all these things happened. The the book of Acts is recording things that happened over a 31-ish year period of time. So over this little over 30 years, all of these things took place. So obviously there was a lot more that happened in, those, in that time frame. But with God's guidance and Luke's discernment, he decided that these are the things that were significant that needed to be recorded. The big chunks that he wanted to make sure went into this uh, report or account that he was writing, right? And we also remember that it was a two-part thing. The first part was the Gospel of Luke where he wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. And then the second part is Luke continuing to write about the things that Jesus is gonna continue to do with the Spirit, right? And we learned that it's the same guy kind of writing part one and part two and he was writing them particularly to someone, a guy with a sweet name, Theopolis, say Theopolis. Isn't that fun? I met a boy named Theo, and first I was like, oh, are you Theopolis? And his mom was like, no. I'm like, sorry, missed my cue on that one. All right. So he wrote to Theopolis, and the reason he wrote to Theopolis, it was sort of like, well, who is this guy? Was he somebody, like, amazing? Was he this great Bible guy that had a huge impact in the kingdom? Like, why did Luke write to him? He was a governor in the town that Luke was from, and it was like Luke writing to someone really important. We talked about last week how it was sort of like tagging an influencer, right? Because please be impressed that I even know what that is. (laughs) Luke was writing to someone really important and significant and by doing this it gave his letter this account that he really wanted to make sure everyone knew about and that it wouldn't get lost, that it would get recorded for all of time and that it would get spread widely by tagging someone by writing and addressing someone really important it helped that letter carry weight and it helped make sure it didn't get lost in the shuffle, right? So, so Luke, we learned, is a doctor we don't know a whole bunch about Luke. He's only mentioned a few times in the entire New Testament by name, and yet he is super influential in what we know and have uh, recorded about the birth of the church and, and what happens in Acts. Luke is a huge player in what we know about the history of our faith. And we also learned that, that there's something really special and unique about Luke, that he's a Gentile and not a Jew, right? And as a Gentile... Uh, It's safe to say that he is actually the only author of the Bible that was not Jewish. And because of that, he has a really interesting perspective. A different perspective than every other Bible author. And for us in this room, uh, way removed from uh, Gentile Jewish language and culture and knowledge and everyday activity, we sort of are like, okay, said some Bible stuff, right? Here's all you need to know about Gentiles. Gentiles. It's most of us in this room. We don't have a big Jewish population in Pullman. I'm sure there are Jewish people here. If you are one, come say hi to me. Right? All all a Gentile is is someone that's not a Jew. That's that's the gist of it. Okay? And Luke, not being Jewish and not growing up with Jewish heritage, being a guy that came to the faith to know about the the God of God's chosen people, the one true God, the, the Jewish God as a Gentile, and he comes to put his faith and trust in that God and follow him and partner with the apostles to advance the kingdom, as Luke got in on that, he has a perspective that is different than other people. And so we're going to see as we go through Acts, Luke's heart for people like him, it just bleeds out, it leaks out in what he talks about and how, what he records and the things that are important to him to make sure that we don't miss and we know in this account It ties into the fact that he wants to make sure and help us understand, like, how is it that people like him, who weren't Jewish, who didn't grow up as God's chosen people, who didn't have that heritage, how do those people come to know the one true God and follow him? Do they have to become Jewish? We're going to see that's a big part of the the tension that's going to unravel in Acts. Fights happen over it. People get beat up, thrown in jail, kicked out of town over this tension about, can people like me and you put our faith and trust in the the God of the Jews without becoming Jewish? And so it's going to be fun to unpack that as we get into Acts. Acts. That's sort of the scene, that's sort of the background that helps us know what we're rolling into as we roll into this, into this book, and, and we continue to unpack it. And so, this morning, the, the chunk that we're going to get into is in Acts chapter 2. How many of you guys read like you are supposed to? Woo! Star students, gold stars, air stars, you get them. Okay? In Acts chapter 2... We're going to see something going on, and, and the thing that's happening happens during a specific time of year, during a specific event, and if you don't understand what that event is, just in a, a real quick terms, and you don't understand why everybody's there, this story can seem a little bit like, I don't know, it brings out my inner skeptic in my early days as a Christian, to go like, really? This seems like a little tale ish to me, but I didn't know what I didn't know, and so I want to help you guys. By helping us set the stage. The thing that's going on right here is a festival called Pentecost. Okay, Pentecost is a Greek word that means 50. It's a a festival that happens 50 days after Passover. So 50 days after Passover, there's this festival in Jerusalem. It's also known by some other names. It's known as the Feast of Weeks. It's known as Shavat. There are also a handful of other names that it's sometimes referenced as. But for our purposes, it's helpful to know that sometimes you'll see it called Pentecost. Sometimes it'll be referred to as the Feast of Weeks, right, or Festival of Weeks. And you know we're talking about the same thing. It gets referenced different ways for different reasons, okay? And so there's this festival that goes on. Now, here's the other thing that's important to know. It's a really, really, really big festival for the Jews, in fact, it's one of the three pilgrimage festivals where Jewish men are required to go to the place where the Lord shows them and actually worship God and bring an offering okay I just want to read it to you real quick don't take my word for it let's look at it. Exodus says three times a year all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose at the festival of unleavened bread that's number one the festival of weeks which is the one we're talking about today that's number two and the festival of tabernacles so there are these three times a year they're more than that for festivals There are more than three but three of them you make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem right and so we're starting to get a picture of what's going to happen, what's going on in the story that we're going to dive into today. There's the Festival of Weeks, Pentecost. There are all these Jewish people that are coming from all these places, and we're going to get into Acts, and it's going to rattle off this huge list of all these different places, right? Okay? Take a look at this. This helps you kind of just visually get a glimpse. All of these different places that are mentioned are from all, it's really essentially the, all of the known world at the time. And Jewish people had been forced out to these areas, sometimes because of persecution, sometimes they had been taken away as slaves, sometimes they had migrated for other various reasons. And so Jewish people had surrounded the whole known country at the time and establish themselves in all of these different areas. And yet, during these festivals, they would migrate. They would make this huge pilgrimage back to Jerusalem. And so in this story that we're about to get into, there are all of these Jewish people that are attached to this Jewish God with this Jewish faith that were following God's rules and intentions for them. And they're from all of these different places and walks of life with different languages, different dialects, different accents. Could you imagine if we said, hey, uh, in Pullman... Let's get everybody together from South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida. Like, let's pick certain people from every state and get us all together in one room. All of just the different accents we would hear in a room, right? It'd be like, wow, it's pretty obvious we're not all from here. That's the vibe that was going on as we get into this story in Acts. Okay? The other thing that's really important that we don't miss is this festival is a festival that is uh, is a time that was also attached to the the giving of the law. When God gave Moses the law, the Ten Commandments, God came to Moses and he appeared on Mount Sinai. He covered Mount Sinai in a cloud and smoke and lightning and fire on top of Mount Sinai and it signified God's presence coming to the people and he was, he was through fire revealing that like the presence of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai and that's where Moses went to do business with God and God did business with Moses and he gave him the law. Check out what God's people had to say about that going on when the law was given. It says, when the people saw the thunder and the lightning and they heard the trumpet and they saw the mountain and the smoke, they trembled with fear and they stayed at a distance. And then they said, something else it goes maybe i didn't put it in there they basically <laughs> let me give you the third paraphrase they said moses we love that you're talking to god it'd be better we're, we're happy for you to talk to him um why don't you do the business instead of us doing the business you know what they did they looked up there and they see this lightning and thunder and the presence of god coming out on mount sinai and they're like "Whoa, that looks a little dangerous up there moses we're glad that you're the guy why don't you just tell us what God said, right? And so this is one of these times where we see how God's presence appears before his people. And then later, as God rescues them from Egypt and they begin to travel through the wilderness and, and they're learning how to follow God, God gives them instructions to build a tabernacle, a place where God would reside among them. And in this place, God's presence rests and by day he appears in this cloud cloud This pillar of cloud, and by night it's filled with fire. And we get this imagery of a God who resides among his people, and you know unmistakably it's God because of this insane fire that is present. Like, there is a fear and trembling and awe and wonder about being aware of the presence of God. And it's in a place. And in the story we're going to get into this morning, what happens is there's something that happens with fire. There's something that Luke's trying to make sure we understand and don't miss about fire. And, and if you don't understand how God has revealed himself and showed up to his people in the past on Mount Sinai, through the tabernacle, as he led them in the wilderness, if you don't understand the significance of God's presence among his people showing up as fire, then you miss the whole point of what's going on in the book of Acts. And you read and you hear about something like tongues of fire and you're like, that's super weird. What in the world is that all about? And you miss what's happening. So we're going to dive into it. You guys ready? You're way readier at the beginning. All right, let's go. Oh, let's skip to Acts. I already said all that stuff. Sorry. See, everybody knows it's just ad-lib with me on the slides. All right, so jumping into Acts 2. Here's how it goes. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, and now we know why, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they said, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, all the parts of Libya near the Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arab, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what in the world is going on? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. I think I probably would have thought the same thing, right? You have all of these people present. They're here from all around the the known world at the time to come and celebrate this festival together, and all of a sudden, there are a handful of guys from a place that speak a certain language, and yet all these people from all these different places can hear someone speaking. It's like they got those cool things that the UN uses where you put the headphones on, and somebody like me speaks North Idaho, and somebody out there has headphones that's Chinese and can hear in their own language. Not North Idaho. They had, like, miracle headphones. That's what was going on. And it's, and it's like draws this huge crowd, and they're wondering what's happening, and there's this bewilderment, and, and there's this speculation about what happens. And then Peter rolls in. And he's about to throw down. But we've got to pause. Before we get there, I, I wonder if I can help you get in a better frame of mind, to get ready, to, to imagine what was going on with Peter have you ever had something so cool and so awesome that you couldn't wait to tell somebody like like something that was so like this news was amazing or it was so important to you that if anybody even just looked at you the right way they were going to get your news right didn't even matter if they were who it was meant for it was just like oh finally somebody I, I gotta tell this story right this is the thing it's just like oozing out of you have you guys ever had that or am I just weird If any of you have made the mistake of talking to me for a couple of minutes, I can tell you right now, God's doing some amazing stuff in my life and there's stuff oozing out of me and it has to do with bunk beds. I apologize in advance, but you are not gonna get anything out of me except miraculous intervention of God on behalf of kids that are sleeping on the floor stories. Anybody that even looks at me the wrong way is gonna hear a bunk bed story. Yesterday morning, we went to go do some deliveries. I had a couple of volunteers with me. Funny you guys asked. I was really hoping somebody would be interested. And I can tell you guys are. Yesterday morning, we were going to do a delivery. And I don't know if you guys realize this, but winter showed up yesterday morning. And so my flatbed trailer was a bad idea for delivering furniture. And so we ran over to U-Haul, and we were going to rent a U-Haul trailer, and we're renting the U-Haul trailer, and I am on cloud nine. It's like delivery day is the coolest day in the world when you get to know that a kid does not have to sleep on the floor because somebody showed up with a bed. Like, this is awesome. And so I'm happy. Everybody at U-Haul is miserable because it is like blizzard snow sideways and like packing in your ear while they're trying to like load your U-Haul, right? And I go inside, and the guy at the counter is looking at me, and I've got a couple volunteers. With my guy's buddy, Zach, is with me, and we're, we're just talking, and we're happy and he's like the guy looks at me and he goes you're sure in a good mood and I'm like yep <laughs> <laughs> and then he said he, he says customers like you who make my job better because everybody else around here is miserable and hates this weather look at it out there and I was like alright sorry um You know what? I don't even care about the weather because today is a great day. This is an awesome day. Like I just threw down on this guy at the U Haul counter. He did not know he was getting ready for a sermon. And then he made the mistake of asking me, What's so great about today? And I told him. I was like, Man, today there are eight kids this morning that woke up on the floor. And by tonight, they're gonna to be sleeping in a bed. I'm like, I'm like, today's a good day. And he goes, wait, like, what? What? And I'm like, and so he got the sales pitch, right? He got the blessing bed sales pitch. And he's like, how do I get in on this? First thing out of his mouth, how do I get in on this? He goes, turns out I'm the manager of U-Haul, and we have some money that we can donate through our company, and our guys need volunteer hours, right? He grabs all my information, he's texting me, we're coordinating, he wants to personally come to my basement and build some kids a bed. The weather wasn't so bad after all. Right? That's a good story. It pours out of me, right? Scratch me, I dare you. Peter, Peter is this kind of guy. Peter has got something just boiling up in him that he cannot wait to get out He has got a story brewing in him, a a, a sermon on the ready. And he has been waiting for a day such as this at Pentecost where all these people are here from all of these different places and God miraculously intervenes and makes it so that people from around the world can all understand his sermon. This is a preacher's dream this day. And let me tell you, he took took advantage of it. He threw down on the U-Haul crowd, right? (laughs) I want to share with you a little bit of how it goes it started off like this he says it says then peter stood up with the 11 he raised his voice so he's got the other apostles with him there's this whole crowd going on he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd he said fellow jews and all of you who live in jerusalem let me explain this to you listen carefully to what i say these people are not drunk as you suppose it's only nine in the morning we normally don't get drunk till at least noon i don't know if that's really true um don't put that in there. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then Peter's about to like uncork this sermon that he's been sitting on for who knows how long. Okay. Imagine yourself in Jerusalem, Peter and these 11 apostles stand up. There's this huge crowd, thousands and thousands of people present from all these different places. Could you imagine the noise the scuttle, the feet shuffling, the little kids crying, the animals, the, the, all of the activity going on, right? And Peter trying to, trying to get up and give this sermon over the top of all of this stuff, and yet and there's all this speculation about what's going on. And then Peter goes out, and he starts rolling out with this message. He says, this is what the prophet Joel talked about. He said, in the last days, God says that I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people, He said, your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. He said, I'm even going to pour out my spirit on the servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. He says, I'll cause wonders in the heaven above, and and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. He says, the sun's going to become dark, and the, the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. He says, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here's Peter belting this out with his buddies at his back to thousands of people that can hear it in their own tongue. He says, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing all these powerful, wonderful miracles and signs and things through him, and we all know it. Like It's undeniable that God had him and was for him. He says, but God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan came to be when Jesus was betrayed. He says, with the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and you killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death because death could not keep its grip on him. And he said, King David had this to say about him. Even King David was talking about Jesus. He said, King David said, I see that the Lord is always with me. I won't be shaken because he's right beside me. He says, "No wonder my heart's glad and my tongue shouts praise, right? My body rests in hope because I know that y- you won't leave my soul among the dead or allow my holy one, uh, the holy one of yours to rot in a grave, right? You've shown me the way of life. Um, you'll fill me with your holy presence and and Peter's just throwing down. He's like, "Think about this." He's shouting to this crowd, "Think about this. You can see that David wasn't talking about himself because David was has died." And he was buried, and he's still right here in his tomb. We, we know he's among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew what God was up to. He knew that God had promised David that a descendant of his would sit on his throne. And David was looking into the future, and he was talking about the resurrection of the Messiah. He says he was saying that God would not leave him in the, to- in the tomb. He would not leave him dead or allow his body to rot in a grave. God raised him from the dead. He looks at his guys and he looks at the crowd and he says, we, we here, we're witnesses of this. Now, Jesus is exalted in the highest place of honor at the right hand of God. And he says, and listen, the Father, he he promised this and he did it. He actually gave him the Holy Spirit to give us to pour out upon us, just, just as you have seen and heard here today amongst us in this great crowd. He said, Listen, David never ascended to heaven, but listen what he said. He said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies and make them a footstool for your feet. He says, Let everyone in Israel know for certain. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And it says in the text that Peter's words pierced their hearts. Not a couple people, not a few, thousands from around the known world hearing this sermon in their own language. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they looked around to one another, recognizing the story and understanding what was going on and starting to get a grip with what had happened. And they looked at each other and they looked to the apostles and they said, brothers, what now? Like, now that we're sort of getting a grip on what's happened, now what do we do? What's next? And Peter replied and told them, each one of you must repent from your sins. Turn to Jesus Christ and ask him for forgiveness Be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then, get this, repent from your sins. Ask Jesus for forgiveness. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's like, listen, this promise, this thing that I'm telling you about, it's for you It's for your children, and it's for everybody that's far off. It's for everybody that God will call to Himself. And Peter threw down the sermon of a lifetime. His lungs had to be working on overtime to preach to thousands in a crowd, in the, this space with all this noise. And yet they could hear this message in their own tongue. And, and, and at the end of this, at the end of this message, Something amazing happened. Just as amazing as a U-Haul guy wanting to come to my basement. Something amazing happened. God was at work, and when Peter responded and, and let loose with the message that God had given him at the right time in the right place to the to the people that God had been drawing to himself, something amazing happened. If you did your reading, you're kind of familiar with this part. Let's finish. This last chunk of Acts together, it says, with many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, and everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Yeah. I don't know about y'all, but that's cool. Right? 3,000 people? We need more seats. Right? I hope you all have extra table at your dinner table. 3,000 people. Could you imagine? Now here's the thing that, that, that just sinks in with me with Peter. He knew everything that he, this sermon, like he had this percolating for who knows how long. He knew what was going on. He knew what they had done. He knew who Jesus was. He knew what happened. He knew why all these people needed to know Jesus. And, and when he had the opportunity with everybody present, he had a captive audience for one time maybe in history that everybody could understand him in their own native tongue. He took advantage. And when he gave that message, he told them about who Christ was, he reminded him who Jesus was, he, he gave them evidence to kind of support his case that he was who God said he was, that he had God's stamp of approval, and then he was like, yes, you guys blew it, yes, you guys crucified him, yes, you guys messed up, like he, he touched on the truth of the mistake, but then he was so excited to get to the end, right? Like the end is the part, that, that's, the, that's the part that Peter wanted to get to, the part where it was like, now what? I was, I could just imagine that like just the shivers going down his spine when he could stand there and have people say, great, now what? Like, like the joy I had in my heart when the U-Haul guy said, why is it such a great day? Right? For Peter to go, man, I was hoping you would ask that. And then he got to tell him now what? He got to tell him that, that your mistake, it's not over. You, you, yeah, you messed up, but that's not where the story ends. All of you, all of you can have a relationship with God. All of you can receive forgiveness of your sins. All of you can receive this spirit. This spirit that rested on Mount Sinai, that shook God's people in their boots as fire appeared on Mount Sinai, that led them through the desert in the tabernacle. It showed up and did something amazing at Pentecost. It, it spread out and landed on top of individual people. And for the first time ever, Peter gets to give a sermon that helps with like an object lesson that happened in front of everybody to be able to show them something new is happening in the kingdom. Now God's presence is not on a mountain. It's not leading you through a tabernacle. Now God's presence is going to rest on individual people personally. And you can repent from your sins and God will give you that spirit to you. You don't have to go to a place. You don't have to go to a mountain. You don't have to tremble in fear. You now become individual miniature mobile temples. Carrying with you the presence of God. Did you know you're a mobile temple of God if you know Jesus? Yeah. How awesome is that? That's what Peter had to share. He got to invite people in to learn how to become and receive God's Spirit and become mobile mini temples. And weird, there are all these people there from all around the world that got to take God literally, personally, intimately with them home to the ends of the earth overnight. Imagine what would happen if this group of mobile mini temples was mobilized. And we started acting like we are literally, intimately, personally taking the God of the universe with us everywhere we go to rent a U-Haul trailer, to build a bed for a kid, to sit next door to somebody and work at a bank, to talk with our friends, to tuck our kids in at night, that we were like, if you're going to get around me, you're going to get to know the God of the universe because I got news for you. He is all up in here. Right? Right? That's this amazing, miraculous thing that happens in Acts chapter 2. We see for the first time in history, God does something new in going to his people personally. And the very same thing is true for us today. For those of us that recognize that, man, life's not working for me on my own, I, I need to do things differently, I've made mistakes, I've screwed up, and, and I feel like I don't know the way out, I don't know what to do next, then, and you're sort of in that, I, okay, just like the other people, like, brothers, what should we do? Like, all right, church people, what should we do? Okay, church guy, what's next, right? Here's my answer. It's the same as Peter's. Sit down, have a simple conversation with God in your own plain old words. And tell him you're sorry for the mistakes you made. Own up to your junk. Ask him to forgive you. And God's word says that he is faithful and he will. And then you come and talk to me and you say, I'm owning up to my stuff with the Lord. I'm asking God to forgive me and I want to be baptized. And on this stage right here, we will blow up a hot tub. If you haven't seen it yet, it's a sweet green Coleman holy hot tub. We'll blow up a hot tub, and there are people in this room today that need to be baptized, that need God's Spirit with them to be God's mobile mini temples. If that's you, do not leave here today without coming and talking to me, writing it on your card, finding one of the guys on our team, somebody on the worship team that you recognize, that you're like, I don't know him, but I know that they're a a church guy, person, whatever. Find them, right? Don't leave here without talking to us. Let us help you walk through this. I want everybody in here to get to experience God in you, with you, Walking with you, carrying you with you through your life, right? That sound all right? All right, I need to be done. (laughs) I got this one more story about beds. Just kidding. If you're serving communion, would you please start passing out communion? I know you guys got excited. You're like, man, these bed stories are good. They're going to go ahead and pass out communion. We do this every week at Real Life. So if you're new with us uh, and uh, you are now not new with us, you're going to just stay forever because now you're family, right? Like We love that you're here. When we do communion every week, we have an open table. And that means that if you want to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you're welcome to take communion with us. You don't have to have a special uh, membership or something like that. Like If you're here and you love the Lord, please take communion with us. Uh, when they're passing them out, hold on to the bread and the juice, and then we're going to take it together at the end of the service as a family. And so just grab those as they come by, and then we'll uh, get there, okay? Well that stuff's getting passed out, let me just run through a couple of closing thoughts with you guys. They're in your notes, and by the way, at the end of your uh, sermon notes is the reading for next week. I'll just point that out. It's going to be there every week, so you know what to read for next week, so I don't have to hit that later. All right, so first one. Survey says, God left no doubt at Pentecost that he was doing something new, dwelling in people personally rather than a place, right? Like, like God showed up in such a miraculous way that that he, he wanted to leave no mistake, no confusion, that he was now going to reside with people personally, okay? Next up. Jesus made it clear in his teaching that there was no way to get to know God in this new personal way without completely trusting him alone to save and forgive you of your sin. Is God personally available to all of us? Will he pour out his spirit on on us? Yes. There's a way for that to happen and it's through Christ. It's through trust and faith in Jesus and, and Jesus made that clear. Lastly, For those of you that have done this, um, you truly are mobile temples where the presence of God resides, and that's just something that I think is really important for you to just wrestle with. Like, could you imagine getting up tomorrow morning, and before you look at your phone, before you go to the coffee pot, before anything happens, you walk into your bathroom, and you look in the mirror, and you're like, good morning, mobile mini temple. I dare you to try it. See what happens. See what happens tomorrow. If you wake up, and you say, good morning, Mobile Mini Temple, and you're like, I got God going on in here, and I'm excited to see what he's got going on for me today, right? That's the way to be. We have that available because of what Christ did for us on the cross, and every week, we take some time to reflect and remember and... and have gratitude and gratefulness in our hearts for what Christ did for us so that we can represent him, so that we can have Christ in us, the the spirit of God literally with us. We take time to remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it, he gave thanks, and he said, as often as you get together, let's eat this in remembrance of him. So as we eat the bread, let's have gratitude for the sacrifice that he made. And then after dinner, he took the cup and he said, this cup represents the new covenant, which is his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And so as we take this cup, pause and reflect and, 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 and just literally thank God for the, the shed blood of Jesus, that there is forgiveness available for any and every mistake and any and every dumb thing we've ever done wrong. Because of the blood of Christ, we can have a clean slate with the Lord. Let's thank God for that as we take the cup. Lord, we love you. You are a good, good God. Thank you so much for Luke and the stories that he wrote and recorded for us that we get to see this awesome picture of how you began to come to us as individual people. God, help us to just embrace that. just come into a a joy of being a mobile mini temple, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.